0: We say, There's nobody like you, Jesus. You wipe blindness from men's eyes. You calm storms and seas, Jesus. You speak to the darkness in me and you evict it and you bring your light. This is who you are, Jesus. This is who you are, Jesus. This is who you are, Jesus. Jesus. We say, hallowed be your name, Jesus. Come on, and we are okay not to be churchy for a moment? Can we just take some time and just adore the Lord? Can we just adore the Lord right now for a few moments? Come on, man, I got so much to be grateful for. Come on, we were lost and undone without God or his son. For me, it was my pornography. It was my false humility. It was all of my insecurities. But even in that mess, Jesus found me. Jesus, we used to sing this song when I was a little bit younger, and it was just a song of gratitude to the Lord, and I don't have much of a singing voice, but I love to tell Papa why he's amazing to me. If you ever hear me say Papa, it's because that's what Jesus called him, Abba, Papa, Father. Jesus called God, God, twice in the scripture. Twice. And that was when he was hanging on a cross. And he was actually quoting Psalms 22, the Messianic Psalm. When the writer of that Psalm, David, said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the only time Jesus ever called God, God. Every other time he called him Abba or Papa. Yeah? Yeah? And understand that the father never forsook the son. That was what the writer of the psalm said, speaking as a human. Because humans actually felt forsaken by God, even though God never did forsake (laughs) them. Jesus was quoting the psalm, but if you keep on reading the psalm, you actually read the rest of what David wrote. When he said, never did you turn your face from me. In the same psalm. And our God never turns his face from us. Because you're a good, good father. Know that song? We sing, You are a good, good father. Not because we hope him to be one, we sing that to him because that's who he is. Watch this. He's good when I'm bad, he's good when I'm faithful. Ready for the Religious people have a hard time here. He's good when I'm faithless. My unrighteousness will never make him change his posture toward me. And you can never stop being a son or daughter of God, even on your worst day. (laughs) Watch this. What can your son or daughter do in the natural to you A natural parent like me who's not perfect. But what can your children do to ever no longer ever be your children? The truth is nothing. Yet we think as God's kids to a father who is perfect love, we think he has a good list and a bad list as if he's Santa Claus checking his list twice to find out who's naughty or nice. Because in America, we've misrepresented who God is. (laughs) But we misread the scripture because he's married to the got quiet backslider I'm in covenant with those who miss it because the gospel's not good news if he's with me only when I get it right because I'm a man I'm gonna get it right for the first two seconds of my day and my wife's gonna remind me when I get it wrong if you're married in the house say amen unless your wife's by you just say oh me you know like So, Lord, today in this house, I say, hallowed be your name. I say, may your kingdom come and may your will be done in Columbus, South Carolina, just as it is in heaven. I release your kingdom today. I thank you for Ephesians 117, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That today you will remove blinders off of our eyes, stops out of our ears. You will restore sensitivity to our heart. And everything that we've been taught that really wasn't from you, you will divinely evict it. So that we can see you for who you are. So that we can see us for who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you're grateful for Jesus, one more time, why don't you just put your hands together for him because he's amazing. He's amazing. He's amazing. You guys can be seated today. Maybe just, yeah, just right there is good, I guess. Matter of fact, let's put it right here in the middle. Put it right in the middle, yeah. You guys okay if I just use a whiteboard a little bit? Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Chris, would you hand me my, just my Bible, please, if you don't mind, and maybe my phone so I can keep track of time. really honored to be here tonight. Um, I just want to say, uh, by the way, beautiful, beautiful worship, beautiful worship. You guys eat five star, you don't even know it. Tell that again, <laughs> Yeah, you eat five star, you don't even know it. So one of the best ways to get an authentic appreciation for what you have as a church is to go somewhere else real quick. And then you'll be like, man, we're really blessed at our church. Thank you. Trust me. I travel a lot, and I go places sometimes. I'm like, Lord, I'm grateful for our church. Thank you, Father, (laughs) for the gifts and the calling that you've given us uh, in our house. But I just want to say this. I want to honor your pastor. Um, Do you know that the Trinity gave gifts to the earth? God the Father, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul actually mentions gifts that were given to us. Yeah? He mentions gifts, and and the Holy Spirit gave gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. There are nine of them that the Holy Spirit has given as gifts to the church, really to the earth. Romans 8, um, I'm sorry, Romans 12 uh, mentions gifts that the Father has given to the church. Gifts of administration are in there. He gives gifts of mercy that are in there. But do you know that Jesus Christ also gave gifts? Ephesians 4 lists the gifts that the Son has given to the earth. It says, and he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And so Jesus gave gifts, the Holy Spirit gave gifts, and the Father gave gifts. And you guys have been given a gift from Jesus. I want to say this, I want to say this. You cannot hire a gift If you pay somebody to perform, let me, I got some younger men in here, but you asked me to come so you can fix anything that I mess up. If you pay somebody to perform intimately for you, we all know what that's called. That's why you don't pay a pastor to perform. Because he is a gift, and a gift has to be received. And hope that this region receives the gift that's been given to them. And I just want to honor you, Pastor, you and your wife in her absence tonight. I'm grateful for the gift that God's given you, you guys as well and your son. But I want you to know, I honor your presence, I honor your life, and what the Lord is doing here. And I simply come just to undergird it and to push it forward. Come on, if you're grateful for the gift of God to this region, why don't you put your hands together and honor the gift of this house, Pastor Josiah. Thank you, sir. I got a son in the faith of mine. He's here tonight. His name is Chris, and uh, he helps me lead, and he would be one of my right-hand men um, that helps me out in Edmond, Oklahoma. You all all need people that you can trust. How many? I'm telling you, man. How many know what it's like for people to say, we're going to be there for you but never show up? Oh, y'all got them too? I just thought it was in Oklahoma City we had those things. Oh, they're here too, you know? Um, but you do got some people that if they say they're going to be there, they're going to be there. If they say they're going to be there and they don't come, they'll actually call and let you know they're not coming. Because some people, you don't know what, you don't think I got raptured on the way to church or what. You find out about three weeks later, Pastor, you know what, I just went by McDonald's, never made it to church. Sorry, Pastor. But anyway, Chris is not one of those guys, man. He's faithful. Love him. Honored. Honored that he's here with me tonight. I want to share some gospel with you. Is that okay? Everybody say gospel. Means. Good news. It actually means the too good to be true good news, but it's true. Did you hear that? The too good to be true good news, but it's true. If what you believe about God, when I say God, I mean Trinity. If what you believe about God isn't too good to be true, it's not gospel. There is no bad news to the good news, period. Period. If you can find one ounce of bad news to the good news, it will cease to be good news. That's why... Ugh, I'm already, <laughs> I need to behave because I'm already in deep water. That's why the gospel is so revolutionary. You understand the gospel did not start on a cross or even at an empty tomb. The gospel started in the womb of a woman. The gospel was born... At the birth of Jesus Christ. See? At the birth of Jesus Christ, Gabriel shows up to a young virgin and he announces to her, really before her conception, and he says, you are going to give birth to a son. And he will sit on the throne of his father, David. Which means beloved, by the way. He's going to sit on the throne of beloved. Yeah? many people are going to rejoice at his birth. When he is born, nine months later, angels appear to shepherds. And this is what the angels said. They said, we bring you glad tidings which shall be great joy to Christians. No, didn't say that. He said, this will be Great joy and glad tidings. He said to all people. Why? Because God isn't against anybody. Jesus is not the Savior of some. (laughs) Some of you don't even believe the gospel. You actually believe that there's some that Jesus doesn't get. Either he is what the Bible calls him to be, the savior of the world, which, by the way, that doesn't mean earth. Look it up in the Greek. It's the word cosmos, which means every created thing. For God so loved not the earth. Come on, we're American Christians. That's why we think this way. We have to think. He says, for God so loved the whole created cosmos that he sent his only begotten son. And either he saved it or either he didn't, but he didn't halfway do it and we actually believe more in what Adam did than we do what Jesus did we believe that Adam's sin could affect all humanity but we don't believe that the blood of Jesus can save all of humanity because we haven't heard the gospel yet and we should see that that message doesn't work let's look at the last 150 years of our country we've got people that get born again 37 times in a year in America As if you can be born again and not born again. Born again, not born again. You can be a son, but you can't be a son. You can be a son, then you're unsunned. You know what that makes you? That makes you a dizzy sinner. You turn around, you repent, you turn around, you repent, you turn around, you repent, and you're walking around like this because you're drunk. Hence, American Christianity. But I want to present to you a gospel that's worth your breath. I want to present to you a gospel tonight that the angels, Peter said, it's so desirous that the angels desire to look into it. The gospel was so amazing. We were actually speaking in the back that Moses and Elijah had to come from eternity back in the time and speak with the Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration about the gospel. He said, we bring you glad tidings which shall be great joy to all people. Why? Why? Why, angels? For there is born to you this day in the city of David, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. He didn't say he's going to be Lord. You know what we do in America? We say things like this. This is American Christianity. Brother, just say the prayer and he'll be Lord of your life. What? If you have to make him Lord, that means he wasn't Lord. He's Lord whether you know it or not. The truth is, you don't know it or not. I used to travel around as an evangelist trying to save the world. And one day, Holy Spirit told me, he said, Joshua? I said, yes. He said, well, you quit trying to save the world. I already did that. I said, this is what I was trained to do. He said, but I didn't train you that way. He said, quit trying to save the world and now go tell them what the early church told them. Go tell them that I already saved it. You just are not aware of it yet. I want to share with you tonight the gospel of our image. Are you ready for this? Jesus, if you're taking notes, right? Listen, I will say things that will make your head spin, but write. I always tell people to take notes. A short pencil is better than a long mind. Right? Because you will not remember everything, no matter how much it impacts your heart. You remember maybe 20% of what you hear. And you will want to go back and hear this, okay? Jesus Christ did not come to the planet to reconcile God back to man. I said again, Jesus Christ did not come to the planet to reconcile God back to man. However... 2 Corinthians chapter 5 does say that in verse 19 that Christ came to reconcile the world back to God, not God to the world. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says this. Now all things are of God. How many things are of God? Hmm? Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. God has recon, that's past tense, by the way, reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. And if you didn't know what that means, just keep on reading. That is, comma, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Watch this. Not imputing or not counting men's trespasses or sins against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, Paul, the lead apostle of his generation and of the new covenant, said God was actually in his son while his son was alive because you can't separate Trinity. See, when Adam walked with God in the cool of the day, we think that means he walked with one person. No, the Bible said he walked with three. Father, Son, and Spirit in a garden. See, because they're one, yet they're three watch it now, that God has reconciled the whole world to himself and doesn't count their sins against them. That's, that's, that's still the Bible, right? Do you know I grew up my whole life, the only messages I ever heard was, boy, get the sin out of your life. God's going to judge you for your sin. And you know what I ended up doing? Being a good sin manager. I would go three weeks and I wouldn't sin, or two weeks and I wouldn't sin, or a day and I wouldn't lust, or a few few days and I wouldn't watch pornography, and whatever it might be. You know, you fill in the blank for your stuff, right? And I was a good sin manager. But what I didn't know was, is that now because of Jesus, the scripture plainly teaches that God was in the Son, reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting their sins against them. Because as long as we think God counts our sins against us, who can get close to God? Nobody. So we think if we read more, we'll be close to God. If we pray more, we'll be close to God. If we fast more, we'll be close to God. If we give more, we'll be close to God. If we serve more, we'll be close to God. If we don't cuss more, we'll be close to God. And we, and we fill in the blank with all of our effort trying to get close to God when God says, silly you. Don't you know what John one twenty nine says? Behold, the Lamb of God, who has taken away the sins of the world. That was 2,022 years ago. If he ain't done it by now, he's probably not going to do it. But he's taken away the sins of the world. Hebrews 8 and 12. I will be merciful to your unrighteousness, and I will remember your sins no more. Psalms 103, For I have removed your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. Every time we come to God confessing our sins, which, by the way, is not a New Testament prayer, but every time we come to God confessing our sins, he's doing this. Why do you keep trying to confess to me stuff I've already told you I do not remember? Come on, married people. Why do you keep telling your spouse about stuff? And she's like, I told you, I don't care. We're in covenant with the Lord. He said, I'm not counting your sins against you. If God counts it against you, it means Jesus did a pitiful job in forgiving it and he can only hold against you what Jesus didn't forgive. But Jesus has forgiven every sin for every person who have ever lived, who is living right now, and who will ever live past, present, and future. We sing songs about the power of the blood, and we say things like this. It reaches to the highest of mountains, and it flows to the lowest of valleys. But do we believe that? You say, brother, well, if that's true, that sounds too good to be true. Yeah, it is because it's gospel. Jesus is not never going to go upon a cross and die again for anybody's sins because he is the once and for all sacrifice that ended all sacrifices. This is Jesus. Mm. Somebody said, that's good news. So quit trying to save the world, Joshua, and go tell the world that they've already been saved. They just don't know it yet, and then watch what happens. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against him. Every time we try to tell people, you better stop sinning, brother. You better stop sinning, brother. You better stop sinning, brother. You know what you're doing? You're making them become what I call sin conscious. It's like me saying, don't look at that gold pole right there. Don't you look at that gold pole. Don't don't you look at that gold pole right there. What are you going to do? Squirrel. 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 And we need to become spirit conscious, not sin conscious. Now, I don't have to ever worry about sinning because I'm not trying to not sin every day. Y'all, anyway, y'all ain't saying nothing to me in here. It's quiet in this Baptist church. Listen, i never forget this, man. My dad one time, um, he was trying to figure out, was my brother smoking or not? I'm like, I wonder, you know, if I could go back, i will be like, Dad, you smoked. You wonder if he was smoking or not. I wonder where he got it from, Dad, who was a pastor. And i did not forget my dad. He left, a, he left a full cigarette. Y'all know anything about Newports in this area? Anyway, he left a full untouched Newport in his ashtray on the table. He said, i see you guys later on. Well, my oldest brother, who was four years older than me at the time, every time he walked through the living room, he's like, I wonder why my dad left that cigarette right there. I wonder why my dad let that cigarette right there. And my brother struggled all day not to touch the forbidden thing. My dad was trying to figure out, I want to figure out if he's actually doing this. Why would you tempt him with the thing you don't want him to do? Some of y'all just got a Holy Ghost haircut. I mean, just like straight over. But, and we think that our Father in Heaven wants us to be sin conscious. He wants you to be spirit conscious. If you understand who you are in Christ, you'll be more free on accident under grace than you ever were on purpose under law. Yeah. Yeah. No, do you hear what? Did you? No, see law. Pause calmly. Think about what you just heard. Jesus did not come to the planet to reconcile God back to the world because God never turned his back on humans. Rather, Jesus came to the planet, according to Paul, to reconcile the world back to God. To reconcile. We were fixing to get a divorce, but now their marriage got reconciled. They got brought back together. When Adam sinned in Eden in the book of Genesis, who changed because of sin? Did Adam change or did Papa change? Adam changed. Papa comes to see Adam even after Adam sinned. Why? Because Papa wasn't put off by Adam's sin. As a matter of fact, he came to see his boy like he always did, walking, and the Bible says this, and the voice of God walked in the garden in the cold of the How does your voice walk? And the voice of God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the voice of Papa called to Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? Now, how many knows that God and Adam were not playing hide-and-go-seek? It's not like the omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-power, all-seeing God didn't know where Adam was. But the reason the father asked his son, where are you, was not because the father didn't know where the son was. It was because the son didn't know where the son was. Adam, you are not in the same position of authority you were yesterday when I left. What happened to you? And you know what the son said? I sinned. But look at what the father did, even in light of his son's sin. The father came running to his boy. And Adam was hiding behind the trees in the garden. And he comes out, and Adam must have been watching, you know, DIY, HGTV. He had done and sewed some fig leaves together made an apron. I'm trying to figure out, where'd you get a needle and something? <laughs> anyway, I'm just keep on going. Like, I, I, I'm going to watch that on DVD when I get to heaven. I'm like, I know that's on DVD. I'm going to watch it like 10 times. Like, wow. And Adam comes out of there in his man apron. He's like, well, I just, I, I mean, I was naked, so I hit myself. You know what the father says? He says, who told you that? Who told you that, Adam? Because watch this. Because when I left here last time, there was two of y'all here. Which, by the way, I'm going to talk to that brother when I get to heaven. Yeah, you mean to tell me you could walk around all day like this, no clothes on with your wife, and you messed that up? Bro, he's going to have a whole long list of men talking when we get to heaven. You messed that up, Adam. We're going to talk. The aunt, by the way, let me help y'all ladies out. Let me help y'all ladies out. The only time a lady, a married woman, could ever say she didn't have nothing to wear it was in the Garden of Eden. And me telling the truth. Come on now. Come on now. Think about that now. I'm gonna let that settle right there. Some of y'all was like, was that a Bible joke? I don't know. Was that like a Bible? The only time, truthfully, biblically, that a man could say, You really the only woman for me was in the Garden of Eden. But anyway, I'm just keep right on going right there like. Anyway, just somebody's like, oh, I get it. Okay, that was good, Pastor. I was good right there. Why, Adam, why did you try to cover yourself? Because I recognize my image is messed up now. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, the Bible says, and God created male and female in his image. In the image and likeness of God, he created them male and female. In the image and what? Likeness of God. We were made in the image and likeness of God. That does not mean that we have a head like God, a body like God, two arms like God. Two, now, that right there, that brother needs some help. But anyway, you get the point. Just got a, a, a donut body right here. But anyway, that doesn't mean we have two eyes like God, you know, two ears like God, two arms, two feet, a belly button like God. We're in the image of God. That's not what that means. It means to have God capacity to literally have God-likeness. It's the Greek word icon, right? We, we, we are the icon of God. We were the image of God. God wanted to look from the heavens into the earth and see himself in the earth, what I have to go to the earth himself, and he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to send Josiah. I'm going to send Chris. I'm going to send Josh. I'm going to send Sarah, because you are my image, except the image was lost, and what was God to do? How was God to reconcile it back? And every man from the days of Adam up until Jesus lived, watch this, with a broken image. Ooh. And you know what? They tried to redeem the image through what? You know how many commandments there were? I took my receipt out. We went to a restaurant today. I took the receipt out. It was about this long. I said, Chris, imagine waking up every day and you have 613 rules you have to keep every day. Ask him, I said, when's the last time you drove over the speed limit? (laughs) Driving down here. You broke it. You didn't live by the laws of the land. You about to go get stoned. Imagine that times 613 every day. This was the burden of the Jewish man. They tried to look through law for the image. They couldn't get it. God sent them, J U D G E S, they had judges, couldn't get it. They tried to live, been led by the voice of prophets, couldn't get it. The nation of Israel was led largely, in part, sometimes by kings couldn't get it. <laughs> God was doing supernatural miracles in the nation at times. I'm talking about they had God. They had donuts fall in front of their tent for 40 years. Like Chris, they had forget Postmates. They had Yahweh mates. Y'all don't know what that means. But anyway, they had God brought them food to their door every day for 40 years. They drank water out of a rock for 40 years. No, 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 no. See, you miss it. Don't just read the Bible. Read the scripture. Don't imagine a little rock about the size of this podium. It was a massive mountain that released a gushing water that could literally water millions of people in one watering. And the Bible says, according to Paul in Corinthians, he says, the rock that followed them in the wilderness was Christ. They didn't even know that rock that was uh, uh, millions of people walking and a massive mountain is pushing itself behind them through the desert. And whenever they stopped to get water, the water would come out of the rock. And Paul says, that rock that followed them was Jesus. The gospel, man. They had all this And their image was still mine. They could not get it right. Supposedly following the God who is love, but they're saying that God told them to kill people. Led by judges still wiping out everybody. (laughs) Led by prophets calling down fire on people. I love challenging mindsets now. Remember, I love the 12 great disciples, such loving men. As they go to the city of Samaria, because they would not receive the message of Jesus. Brother James and Deacon John said, Lord, I get this thing about me, Pastor Josiah, like I just want to start talking in like this European accent. He said, shall we call down fire on them, Lord? (laughs) This is the disciples of Jesus Christ, man. And Jesus, you know, the spirit of slap comes on him, and he's like, you don't even know whose spirit you are. You know where they got that from? A crazy song we sing sometimes. These are the days of. Because Elijah burnt people up in the name of the Lord. And Jesus was saying, This ain't the days of Elijah. <laughs> this is not the days of Elijah. Because now James will write and say, now mercy triumphs over judgment. I will throw this microphone, but i got to buy another one. I'm telling you, mercy triumphs over And Jesus said, you don't know whose spirit you are. I am the Christ. I come to save them, not destroy them. They're doing a good job of that themselves know we say four thousand years but we don't know but finally jesus comes to the planet the son of god born of a woman paul says in galatians up under the law to redeem those who were under the law because <laughs> our image had been so twisted the image of god had been so twisted one guy said this revival is when god gets tired of you and me misrepresent him and he says you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna show up myself no more prophets No more lawgivers, no more judges, no more kings, not the way that you know him. But I'm going to send you the one the law was actually pointing to. I'm going to send you the one the judges were actually pointing to. I'm going to send you the one the prophets were always talking about. And I'm going to send you the one who really will be the king of all kings. And he's not coming riding on this mighty white stallion. He's going to be born of a young virgin girl. The one whom they will have no room for him in the end. And at his birth, Jesus. At his birth, Caesar may not have been there, but angels would be (laughs) surrounding. And we are going to lay him in a manger. You know what a manger was? A feeding trough. It's what the animals ate out of. You know why? Because Jesus would be known to be the bread of life because he would be the one that all humanity would feast off of and find life. And if they would eat of him, the one who was in the manger, the trough of humanity, he said, he who eats of me will never hunger anymore and who who drinks of me will never thirst anymore. Do you understand the gospel? The gospel. And Jesus lives a life in the house of a carpenter, Chris. Chris mending broken pieces of furniture all the days of his life, showing us that one day what I'm going to do is I'm not just going to fix broken furniture. One day you'll see me as the Savior of the cosmos, and I'm going to fix broken humanity. For taking notes, write this down. The God you see is the God you get. Come on, everybody say, the God you see God. is the God you get. Everybody say this. Say, how you perceive a thing determines... How you receive from a thing. So some people saw Jesus as a carpenter and they got their table fixed. Other people saw him as the Savior of the cosmos and they got their world fixed. Bartimaeus had never seen anything. He couldn't, because of his his ailment, Chris, he couldn't even go into the synagogue to listen to a sermon. But he could hear just fine. And he had heard stories of this guy named Jesus from a town called Nazareth who was wiping blindness out of blind people's eyes. And no doubt he had told himself, if I ever hear him come in my way, I'm going to give him all I got to let him know he can't pass me by. And one day, sitting outside the city of Jericho, Bartimaeus hears a rustle and bustle of feet passing by. and says, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Whoa. And the Bible says Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. And what do you think happened? He made a God connection. That's the man that I've been hearing about. This guy, this great physician that's taking his thumb and wiping blindness out of people's eyes, this is a bad time to be quiet. And Bartimaeus Calls Jesus something that up until this point of the gospel had nobody ever called Jesus. He said, Son of David, have mercy. And then notice he didn't say, Son of David, heal my eyes. He said, no, Son of David, have mercy on me because in your mercy is healing. In your mercy is healing. If you just have mercy on me, I'm going to get the very thing that I need. And Bartimaeus, he said, I can't see well, but I hear just fine and I've heard about you. Have mercy on me. And here comes Jesus, this Nazarene who had spent the first 30 years of his life fixing furniture and building things. The guy that was fixing wood tables was the same guy. That with his words framed the universe, the sun, the moon, and the stars. The same guy that was fixing door frames was the same guy that framed trees with the words of his mouth. The same guy that was fixing furniture for boys and girls to sit upon in their classrooms, even in those Galilean school days, was the same guy who spoke and he made the wind. Do you understand? Not only does he fix bodies, this guy framed the whole universe. How you see him determines what you receive from him. If you see him as a good teacher, then you can hear a good teaching. If you see him as a good preacher, then you can hear a good sermon. But if you see him as the Son of God, who came to take away the sin of the cosmos, then that's how you can receive from him. And Jesus is literally teaching for three and a half years, everybody who' presented the image of my Father got it wrong. Because Paul said they all saw through a veil dimly. But I'm coming to remove the veil. I remember marrying my wife. I was cool, calm, and collective all of our months leading up to our marriage, even on the ceremony day. Pastor Josiah, I man, I'm sitting right here, and I was, I mean, I'm telling you, I was cool, calm, I looked, I looked good. I mean, I was, I mean, I, I know, I know most of y'all probably thought I was the Rock Dwayne Johnson when you walked up in here tonight, but anyway, I'm not. I just want you to know that, right? I always say they confuse me with, between the Rock Dwayne Johnson or Mowgli. It's one of the two. I don't know why, but anyway, it's, it, a lot of times it's mold So anyway, I'm at the altar. It's the day of covenant. I've been cool, calm, and collected the whole time, Pastor Josiah. And the back doors, we have, I mean, our church that I was serving at the time was a big church, about 3,200 seating capacity, and the floor was slanted this way. I'm at, I'm, I'm at the altar. The floor is like this. The back doors of the sanctuary open, and my wife steps around the corner. She has a veil over her face. And I don't know what happened. I look like I started manifesting. I was just like, I don't know what, any men know what I'm talking about? Like when I saw her for the first time, all of my calmness left. I felt like, I don't know what I felt like. I was just like, what is happening to me? And I, listen, I'm an ugly cry. I mean, I'm a snotty, ugly crier. You understand what I'm saying? And I just start snotty, ugly crying, and I can, I can... I can just see her under that veil like, will you please stop it? Oh, my God, you're embarrassed. You know, but I'm just like, just this ugly crying starts happening, and she's making her way down the aisle. Now, watch this. As soon as she crossed the threshold of that door, was she in the room? Was her presence in the room? Sure it was. You know what Isaiah said about the Lord? I saw the Lord, and when I did, his what filled the temple? His train filled the temple? Now, you know, we not talking about choo-choo train. He's not saying he had an Amtrak that filled the whole temple. That's not what he's saying. A train in his day was a robe. You know what robes were in Isaiah's day? Whenever, what's your name, my friend? CE. If CE, this is the kingdom of CE, this is the kingdom of Josh. If CE's kingdom came against the kingdom of Josh and he defeated me, the way they would mock me is they would cut my robe, exposing my rear end, and they would take the robe and sew it on the back of his robe. And every time C.E. defeated the king, they would always cut the robe off of the defeated king and sew it onto the back of his robe so that when he came back home, they wouldn't have to wonder whether or not he defeated the king that he just fought. They would say, I'm going to wait to not just his presence comes in the room, but I'm going to wait to see if he brought his enemy's train with him. When my wife crossed the threshold, she was in the room, but what I didn't know, because I had never seen her before. I just know I paid a lot of money for that dress. (laughs) I remember the price of that dress. I'm like, what we... We could have financed the house right there. So she, she comes walking in, and when she does, even though she was in the room, more of her kept coming in the room because I'm like, how long is this train? And her train starts filling the room, and I am just bawling, and I still can't see her face, Chris. And she gets all the way to the altar, and I am a mess. I am completely undone. And I couldn't see her face. I could see bits of her but because she was Veiled. See, Jesus said they saw through a veil, but Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, to this day, when the old covenant Hebrew scriptures are read, they're read through a veil. He said, but when you come to Christ, the veil is lifted. And I was moved just at what I saw through the veil, because my wife is bad with a capital B. Every time I say, I'm like, girl, you're guilty. You're going to jail. you getting, I mean, you're guilty. So she comes up. Sorry. <laughs> thought about my father-in-law. And he lifts the veil. And then I could see the details of her face that I couldn't see 10 seconds before. And though the image of humanity was mired because of all the stuff, boy, when the veil was lifted, we can see, I could see that, girl, your eyes are green. I love your blush. Oh, you got those eyebrows waxed like 10 minutes ago because they sharp and crisp and <laughs> so. You know what I'm saying? She was amazing. Coming to Christ lifts the veil. I'm seeing things perfectly now. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Jesus Christ says in Colossians 1.15, Paul of Jesus, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, Colossians 1.15. You want to know what God's really like, what he looks like, how he would treat people, good people, bad people, righteous people, unrighteous people? You want to know what God is really like? You don't look to Moses to find out what God is like because if you look to Moses to find out what God is like, you're going to stone people as soon as they make a mistake. And they did it a lot. Don't look to Abraham to find out what God is like because you know what you're going to do if you look to Abraham? You're going to be offering up your firstborn. Right? Don't look to these guys because they're gonna be burning up cities. Shall we call on fire, Lord? Right? Don't even get me started on the kings. But you look to Jesus. Because when you see me, John 14, you've seen the Father. They said, show us the Father, Jesus, and we'll be okay. He said, How long? How long? How long have I been with you the last three years? when you saw me stand in front of the woman that they were going to take the Hebrew scriptures and stone her. And they were going to take the word of God and kill a woman with it because they had so misinterpreted Abba's heart. They were going to stone her. He said, when you saw me stand in front of her, it wasn't just the son of God saying, I won't let you stone my sister. It was the father and the son saying, I refuse to let you stone my baby girl. When you see Bartimaeus coming to me, saying, son of David, have mercy on me. He's not just speaking to me, the son of God but it's the father in the son saying, I refuse to let my son stay blind. You understand Jesus didn't do nothing unless he saw his father do it, said Jesus. He didn't say anything unless he heard his father say it, said Jesus. Everything Jesus did was a secondary consequence of what he'd already saw the father do. Jesus was showing us what our dad was like. And so now, Colossians 1.15, he is the visible image of the invisible God. And don't forget this. Anything that Jesus makes visible will never be invisible again. Oh, man. Jesus removed the veil so we could see this is what God is really like. And Jesus began to restore the image back. Come back to the keys if you don't mind, man. Watch this. They asked Jesus, Matthew 21, 22, They said, um, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Well, I wish he'd have said no. I wish they might. We could have changed everything right there. But anyway, he said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, anybody got a coin on you? <laughs> they pulled out a denarius. He said, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Okay. He said, give me a coin. They pull out a denarius. They pull out a nickel. Whose face is on this denarius? That's what Jesus said. He said, whose image is on it actually? And he says, Caesar's. Oh, oh. so Caesar has the ability to not only make a coin, he has the ability to imprint his image on it. They say, yes. Then he says this. Then give to Caesar... What belongs to Caesar? Well, well tell him what belongs to Caesar. The revelation is this. Anything with his image on it belongs to him. Give it to him. But he didn't stop there. He says this. You render to Caesar things that belong to Caesar. Listen. He says, but render to God the things that belong to God. In other words, Caesar can only imprint his image on coins. Give it to him. But what Caesar can never do is put his image on you. And the only image that's on you goes all the way back to Adam in a garden where your heavenly father says, in the image and likeness of God, I made all humans. What about those that are struggling right now? With promiscuity, Yeah, they don't know they're in my image. The reason they're doing that, they don't know. What about those with needles in their arms? Yeah, they're doing that because they don't know they're in my image. What about those who are watching things that are damaging to their marriage and their future? They're doing that because they don't know who they are. Because all sin is a secondary consequence of broken identity. All sin. All sin. You do what you do because you don't know who you are. Man, I was addicted to pornography for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. Because I didn't know who I was. And I didn't know what was done for me. You understand? I would get on planes and fly and preach from this book. And people would flock to altars. That's what I, was. I used to be a really good preacher. Now I'm pretty bad. I can move crowds, man. You, I'm telling you, I would, put, I would provide three points and they would, oh, it would be alliteration. Every point would start with this. It was, it was designed to make people move because I was so immature. And go back to my hotel room and watch pornography the same night. And, 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 and my book, I was preaching sometimes 12 times a month. And my image was so jacked up. And not one time, Chris Peel, did anybody ever sent me down and say, man, that was a great sermon, but how you doing? Because as long as I was performing, everybody was fine. And my problem was I had never met Jesus, but I had met church. Render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, but you better give to God the things that belong to God and my image was so mired and I went on this journey of reading this book but I wanted to know the author and I'm like Jesus I know you're so much better than what I'm reading about and what I'm reading about is amazing but honestly I just can't live off what Paul encountered that's awesome it moves my heart I love what John wrote about it moves my heart But even you said, man cannot live off of bread alone. But we must live by every word. Watch this. Not that precedeth, but proceedeth. Pre means said, past tense. He said, you can't live off what God said, but it's proceedeth. You can only live off what is currently coming out of the mouth of God right now. That's why he that has an ear to hear must hear what the Spirit of the Lord is currently saying to his church. Don't live just off what Moses said or what the judges said or what the prophets said or what the kings said. It should be inspirational. It should lead you. It should guide you, but it will always point to Jesus Christ. Jesus, listen, we still think this is the Word of God because we haven't been taught properly. Jesus is the Word of God. You understand that? John chapter 1, it, verse 1, in the beginning was the, and the word was with God. And the word was God. You understand, he wasn't talking about a 1611 King James Bible because it was not in existence. And you must never make the scripture mean something to us in our day that it did not mean to its original audience. But the word, word there, literally in the Greek, is the word logos. Logos. In the beginning was the Logos. Do you know Jesus was the Logos or the Logos of God? It's where we get our word in the English, logic. What is God's logic? The logic of God is Jesus. Logically, how would God treat the prostitutes? He would say, come here. Logically, how would God treat the lepers? He would embrace them. (laughs) Logically, how would God? Jesus is the Logos of God.